Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. Just, uh, you know, looking forward to some turkey, my man. Yes, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Man, all right, so I know in years past you've done the Friendsgiving. Is that also the case this year? Uh, yes, there will be a Friendsgiving. Uh, I am making my uh, world-famous uh, cornbread dressing, and I am super excited about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's it's really cool, too, that you make the second best cornbread dressing in the entire world. I, of course, will be making the the, the number one cornbread dressing uh, for, for our family um, in Thanksgiving, cornbread oyster dressing. Uh, that that totally destroys yours, but but you know it's cool that yours is is so close that, to get that kind of recognition. I, I think that's great for you. Yeah, but does yours have bacon in it? Uh, mine has yeah, oysters. So. It has oysters. Yeah, oysters are not the bacon of the sea. They're close, but they're not. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe on your original Earth, it might be number one. But this is this is this is the real Earth, okay? And on the real Earth, it's mine. Well, let me tell you this, man. On the real Earth, people don't tune into uh, Flash TV Talk to hear Thanksgiving cooking uh, competitions. <laughs> what they tune in for is some great Flash Talk, and you're definitely going to get that this episode. Uh, man, are you ready for this? Uh, let's do it. Let's jump into the rundown. The rundown. <laughs> Episode 6 of Season 5, The Icicle Cometh, directed by Chris Pepe, and story by Kristen Kim and Joshua V. Gilbert. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, Barry, Cisco, and Caitlin find her father, Thomas, and take him to Star Labs. Meanwhile, Ralph and Cecile continue their investigation on Cicada's identity by looking into a FEMA camp set up after the satellite exploded. Sherlock, Iris, and Nora choose another route by looking for the satellite's core. Caitlin and Thomas go on a walk to reconnect, but are interrupted when Thomas faints and his arm starts turning into ice. Caitlin takes her father back to Star Labs, where he reveals to her the origin of her powers. Cisco, suspicious of Caitlin's father's story, teleports back to Thomas's base, where he discovers evidence that Thomas isn't Caitlin's real father. Caitlin refuses to believe Cisco until she sees the truth about her father with her own eyes when Thomas's alter ego, Icicle, takes over. Justice Team Flash confronts Thomas, Killer Frost returns, and defeats Icicle. Finally, it is revealed that DeVoe used Dominic Lance's slash Brainstorm's power to mentally block Caitlyn from summoning Killer Frost, while Cicada, despite his previous injuries, reveals the wound he received from the satellite is making him stronger. Dun dun dun! All right, Bell. So we continue on this season in what I I think this season overall has been the season of excellent episodic structure. Like every single episode that we've gotten this season, I feel like has been really solid. And all of them have done very unique things in terms of the episodic structure and the way they've kind of crafted the stories that have worked really, really well. This is the A game. This is like the A team that's been writing this season. And it just makes me happy. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're happy. Very much so. Like, one of the things what we got this episode is kind of this dispersing of the teams, right? Like, we have 
this um, we have we do have kind of two cases that are being worked on, but they ultimately come back together. So Team Flash goes off. We have kind of three different groups that are going to go off and work their various angles of the same case, with the exception of kind of the OG Flash team that is also working kind of a side project, but it all folds back in, obviously. So anyway, we've got these three teams. We've got Iris, Nora, and Sherlock. We've got Cecile and Ralph, and then we've got the OG Team Flash. Man, let's talk about Iris, Nora, and Sherlock. And I'm, I am saying Sherlock. I know it's Sherlock. So, you know, yeah, don't add me. be very disappointed if you uh, if you heard you say that. Yeah. Did you notice that uh, Cisco was kind of giving him a bit of a hard time with his accent this episode? I noticed <laughs> that, that I think it was either last episode or this episode where I thought I saw like a hint of Irish pop in there. Yeah, he's, he's kind of all over the map. But again, it's a different Earth. You know, who knows what accents are on Earth? Um, oh, I'm blanking on which Earth he's from, but but on Sherlock's Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not something that we can really criticize them for because like you said you know it, it's it's the, over there you know their movies might be you know the dc universe is good and the marvel universe oh, is bad <laughs> why would you say that why would you say that on a dc centric podcast again it's at ring that bell uh send all of your thoughts and comments Come on what me, he bro. just said to him directly on twitter uh no but I, you know you do get kind of this okay you know sherlock from this a broadly European uh, kind of extreme pretentious, like pretentious cranked up to 11. He's got his own custom tea set where he has set it up directly right there by the water side. (laughs) And purposefully, mind you, everything that he seems to do while it is pretentious and ridiculous does seem to serve a purpose. Exactly. He he is, after all, a Wells. Like he is a true Wells. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, he is uh, on this on this case. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting when they were all breaking up and, you know, obviously he wanted to do his thing with Iris. And, of course, you know, the fact that Nora wants to be involved is kind of a signal to all of us, if it wasn't clear last episode, that some things have changed, that they are now beginning their relationship to some extent anew as they kind of learn each other and figure each other out. And Nora is excited to figure out who this version of her mom is and potentially will be. That being said, I was surprised that she was so interested and willing to join up, given the fact that Sherlock early on was kind of pushing her a little bit, letting her know that he's kind of onto her. I mean, I know he kind of kept it close to the chest and kind of pulled back, but, you know, he knows something, right? Well, I'm wondering if his, you know, aversion to Nora joining that little micro team that they had was so that he could get some one-on-one time with Iris to be like, so tell me what you think about... You know, Nora and, you know, this and that and all that kind of stuff. And so maybe that was a chance for him to sort of, you know, garner more information, pull more information out of Iris to sort of, you know, better flesh out his theory about what's going on with Nora. And so when she was there, obviously he can't do that. So uh, but still, I'm sure he I'm, I'm still he's sure gathering information, but it's just not in the way like directly through Iris. He's kind of watching Nora and seeing how she re- you know reacts and responds to Iris and uh, in order to build his case, as it were. That's interesting because that I mean, honestly, that exchange that they had early on was very top of mind for me when they were breaking off. Like, I, I, I'm i with you, man. I, I'm with you on the idea that maybe he had this kind of goal at trying to dig a little bit deeper that was perhaps thwarted by the fact that they were uh, together. So he couldn't ask Iris the questions he really wanted to ask her. And of course, you know, he's kind of already gotten what he needs from Nora from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So they do go, they, they do kind of uh, uh, have very, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time spent with their storyline. And again, we see this return of the A story 
being like, you know, the, the, the a season long story being more of the B story so that these kind of smaller B stories can take more of an A story in the individual episode. Right. You follow me with what I'm saying here? Yeah. The, 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 the overall story arc is very small so that the secondary story arcs that are the more character focused ones can take precedent on the individual episodes to kind of like move character development along while not bogging us down with the the main plot line you know it's still there in the back so that we're thinking about it we're okay we're, we're still who is cicada i know we're, we're looking for him and you know watching him fight madison stuff but also there are these other character development moments in these subplots that get a lot more attention that may you know either you know be resolved more quickly uh uh to get some satisfaction from there or you know just just as a means to build up characters that are less frequently utilized yeah no this is true and i mean like okay so let's just say with these three teams that we got this particular episode we got you know the the a team we'll we'll say that you know the og flash team is is the a team right they're the the longest time you know ones they've got the most of the power uh empowered people on their uh on their team uh iris nora sherlock they're the b team we got a wells here we got iris here uh and we got a speedster here so you know they're, they're kind of the b team and then we've got the C team, which is <laughs> Cecile and I'll call him Ralph this episode because he wasn't hanging out with Sherlock. So we got Cecile and Ralph and you know these are two characters that they're not just on the sidelines, they're 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 very much like on the sidelines of the sidelines more often than not. Yeah, but I, I'm waiting for the moment where something awesome happens to that team and then the hashtag will be Cecile team 6. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, you know, and and if it's if it wasn't originally, now that you know all the writers that listen to our podcast have heard that, it's coming. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Hashtag Cecile Steam Six. I like it. I like it. It's time that we see her. <laughs> but I mean, she has stepped up more this season, and I've really. You know, I've, I've always enjoyed Cecile. She's always been kind of great, but but she really has come into her own this episode. Last episode, we talked a lot more about, you know, how she kind of facilitated that, that grandparent role and, you know, the way that she really, you know, bonded with Nora and then also kind of, you know, kicked her into to shape a little bit. And here we're kind of getting a reminder that, yeah, you know what? No, we, we see, we've seen Cecile in kind of this, you know, maternal type mode that she's been in for the last, gosh, half season plus these episodes. I mean, you know, this this is kind of where she's been baked into the team. But no, she's had she had this like, you know, strong career and in investigations and with the DA. And like so so this is actually a character who should be able to carry a lot of weight in the midst of these type of investigatory uh storylines. And so to pair up somebody who has kind of let's say a valid career with somebody like Ralph, who has perhaps less of a valid career <laughs> as a as a private eye, uh and and yet, you know, he he brings the um I don't know if intimidation's the right word. How do I say this? All right, let me let me put it this way. I'm five five. He's super tall and she is super not. And I can yeah. I'm making that comment as somebody who's not very tall. But <laughs> <it's> the, <laughs> they were a very um humorous team from that standpoint. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I uh, when she gets up on the couch leg and she's still just like an inch taller than him <laughs> when she's standing up on the arm of the couch. Yeah, I thought that that was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> there was yeah. there was a lot of silliness there, though, right? I mean, like they're playing with the the extreme differences that exist in these two characters from that standpoint. Both both on a on a literal physical standpoint with you know the the height being a huge factor there, but then also just the kind of the characterizations here, right? 
Like she's yeah. more of a serious character. He's more of a silly character. And yet they kind of flipped the script, making her more silly this episode and him by, I guess, default becoming more serious in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's almost cause you would expect Ralph to, to be uh what's, so you got the, the, the straight man and the, and the Ralph <laughs> and the Ralph. Yeah. I mean, like well, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the, the name for that, trope you know you you got your, your your straight man and your in your funny guy or whatever sure but yeah they sort of like you, you would expect ralph always to be that funny guy and they sort of flipped it on the head there and uh with and cecile kind of played that pretty pretty well i thought yeah no it was it was humorous it was fun um you know once again they've done a good job of i feel like redeeming ralph this season uh while also giving cecile a, a chance to shine uh you know it we, we gotta you know i mean we have to make mention of this i mean it's very obvious you know, she was facilitating a role that Ralph was specifically looking for Joe for. And I think a large part of where we're seeing kind of her growth is because uh, Joe has been a little bit more in the background this season, you know, because obviously the actor having some health issues that he's been dealing with and that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's an odd trade off because obviously we love Papa Joe, but I went into this season saying that we needed him to take more of a backseat. I thought he was going to die at the end of last season, I was kind of surprised he didn't. We're at that point where the heroes don't necessarily need that kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like it's time for them to fully kind of recognize their roles in being more of the leaders and being more of the, the guiders. And in order for, for example, I think Barry and Iris to really be seen and evolve as characters and be in those position of parents, you have to remove their parental figure so that they get a chance to really stand on their own two feet. And so whether or not it was by design or because of, you know, things outside of their control, I actually think the removal of Joe these last couple of episodes, not only has it allowed for Cecile to really shine, it's also allowed for Barry and Iris to really shine in kind of that leadership, that parental type of role. Yeah, and I kind of see them doing more of that because, I mean, you're right. Like, in order for them to really play parents, they need to take on a parental role, and therefore you got to remove the their parental roles from that equation right and uh there's still a use for cecile and joe for sure because i mean it, you know like the reason why uh, ralph wanted joe in the first place was so he could flash a badge right you know do stuff like that and and having a da on your side is always a good thing too you know a situation where barry or iris need to you know find something but you know they they can't they don't want to break the law so they go and they have the law literally on their side. And so, you know, Cecile can go in there as the DA and, you know, do things through illegal means, which they can again give to Ralph or Barry to, you know, do their magic on. And uh, so, yeah, there, there is a role there for them to do those kinds of things. And it's it's nice to see them kind of still being utilized, but at the same time, not uh, or kind of taking a back seat so that Barry and Iris can step forward, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now in both the uh, B and C teams and their findings, we'll circle back on that uh, after we talk about what is really kind of the A plot line for this episode. And that is the return of OG Team Flash. We got Cisco. We got Caitlin. We got Barry on a whirlwind adventure to go and uncover the big mystery that has been kind of throughout for some time. Who is or very specifically, where is Caitlin's dad and what has he been up to now? Right off the bat, Belle, they're wearing parkas. And I, I know, you know, why, why on earth of all things are we going to talk about parkas? Well, are, those parkas <laughs> look very familiar to me. Do they look familiar to you? <laughs> I did get a, a Captain Cold 
sort of vibe from him. Right? <laughs> yeah. D- did, yeah. Did Leo just leave some, you know, around after the whole Adventures in Earth X type deal? Uh, you know, may- maybe so. Maybe they have, uh, you know, a replicator on Earth X and he's like, here, have some Christmas gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. possibly. No, the Wave Rider has a replicator. So that's, you know. There you go. So he just yeah. had, he just replicated a couple cinnamon like, hey, in, in case you ever have to deal with another cold villain. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> here you go. It's like, I, I just I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Uh, so yeah, no, they are they are rocking some Captain Cold parkas, and I actually love the fact that we get a nod to Captain Cold, even if it's just in a visual way, because this episode, man, especially this storyline, had a lot of references to Cold villains, and not just the one that we saw on screen. Of course, we saw uh, Killer, you know, the Return of Killer Frost, which we'll talk about here in the moment. We saw the uh, essentially, I'm going to argue the embodiment of Icicle Junior and Icicle Senior. Uh, which are two characters from the comics that have kind of been merged in this one form uh, to represent Caitlin's father. You know, I think it's worth noting that in the comics, there's actually no biological relationship. Uh, there's no actual relationship between Killer Frost and Icicle. That's something that this show has kind of merged together. But when we get the unpacking of Icicle's story, the the story that he tells and, and who he's been in contact with, we find out that he's been in contact with... Um, some notable people, Bell. Uh, you know, he, he mentions uh, Louise Lincoln, who was uh, another Killer Frost from the comics, and so you know, theoretically destined to be a cold villain if she's not already. We also got a mention of Eobard in the form of Harrison Wells. So when he talks about the fact that he's been in contact with Harrison Wells and had access to Star Labs and everything else, you know, at this point, I think we can assume that is the Harrison Wells of season one, a.k.a. Eobard Thawne. So he has direct contact with the big bad of this entire series. And then the biggest name drop of all, in my opinion, and I mean, that's saying something because we just talked about Eobard. And you know how I feel about Eobard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's been in talk with Victor Freeze. Now, Bell, for the people that don't know, Victor Freeze, this professor, uh, this particular uh, uh, individual from the comics, uh, how cool is this guy? Oh, he's not cool. He's ice cold. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Freeze, man. They got Mr. Freeze referenced in here. Now, the question, of course, you know, for those unfamiliar, uh, first of all, welcome to the Internet. Uh, like because of uh, because of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and the, uh, the the gifts and the memes, it's impossible to not know who Mr. Freeze is. But but Bell, yeah. Do you, do you want to give kind of a brief uh, background on who this character was from the comics? Well, I mean, do we want to go about? I, I, I mean, I could tell you all about the uh, 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 Batman and Robin. Well, so uh, Joel Shoemaker version of this character. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll, I'll give the more serious, and then you'll you'll go into that. So the more serious is that this is a character from the comics, and I mean this is also you know pulled through pulled from in that that film as well. His wife uh, has this disease. He essentially uh, has her on ice, if you will, and is constantly looking for a cure. In the process, uh, he has had to kind of work on his own body and kept himself at sub zero temperatures to. Uh, to exist, to live. Now, that's kind of an amalgam of a lot of different uh, backgrounds for this particular character because he is such a very popular villain. In fact, I want to say it was Batman the Animated Series that really kind of upped the ante, making him a kind of a top-tier level Batman villain. He was before, 
But after that interpretation of the character, it really kicked off hugely. Uh, he was a huge boss fight in the Batman um, Arkham City video game, which I, I still remember <laughs> the uh, the mechanics to, to beat him. You had to get uh, really creative there. Uh, and we've so we've seen him in a lot of different iterations, as well as the one that is probably most known to the average person on the street. That is from the Batman and Robin Joel Schumacher film. Bell, how exactly would you describe that interpretation of the character? Ice cold. <laughs> Allow me to break the ice. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, I've always kind of viewed that film as the Batman '66 movie yes, that, that should is, have been. That's that is the that is the best possible way um, to to view. If you're gonna view that film in the most charitable way possible, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I loved Arnold's representation of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but for some reason, I want to say that his wife in that movie had ALS. Uh, that, that may be the case. I, I, you know, now that you say it, that, that it's been a minute, it's been a minute. The funny thing is I can remember other facts from that movies. For example, what killed the dinosaurs? The, the ice, ice age, age. <laughs> which is not true at all. The ice age did not kill the dinosaurs. Don't, don't tell but- Mr. Freeze that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they have a bit at the Alamo Draft House where they do like, you know, the don't talk or text before the movie thing. Right. And it's that scene where uh, he's watching the wedding video and like the henchman comes in and he's like, boss, you got to see this. And like he, he freezes the henchman. <laughs> he's like, I hate that the people talk to in the movie. <laughs> oh, man. So, yes, if you have not seen that, we'll we'll post out some clips there. And uh, but one way or the other. So the fact that he's been in, in dis- you know, talks with Victor Freeze, perhaps this is, you know, maybe this is just a Easter egg. Maybe it's like, here's a bunch of cold villains. But the fact that we also got a nod to Eobard as well makes me think that there may be something more than just a name drop going on here. So who knows what we'll see in the future. I would love to see a massive team up of all of these ice powered villains, especially given the fact that cold is such a, you know, kind of kryptonite to the flash as we've seen in the past and it's been a little you know handled in different ways but even in this episode uh that definitely came in in the in the latter part all right so we're first introduced of course to icicle in the form of thomas bell what was uh what was the vibes that you were getting off thomas early on so i mean i don't know the the fact that he went into this place 20 years ago and they never heard from him he never came out and so like i don't know it was just bizarre i was like why would he sit there and wait. Uh, I wasn't necessarily uh, skeptical of him at first, but the second Cisco had skepticism, I was like, okay, yeah, there's something up here. But um, yeah, it was just odd. There was a lot of holes in his in his story, I thought originally, but like, it wasn't enough to kind of tell for sure. I, of course, thought that it was going to be Icicle along. Just, just upon seeing him on the screen, I wasn't sure, but that was my theory going into everything, right? Uh, and I didn't know if it was going to be they would meet Thomas and he would be like, I have to tell you, I have this alternate personality that comes out every now and again. Uh, or if it would be Icicle masquerading as Thomas, which is what we got. Right. But I, I, I knew that that Icicle would be in there. I just I wasn't sure who they were going to meet first. When you go into a uh, abandoned, not abandoned, but uh, a, a laboratory out in the middle of nowhere set apart. And you're walking in and you're wearing Captain Cole parkas and you find dude just chilling out there. And the description of the lab is it smells like science in here while there are jars of hearts, literally jars of hearts around them. Bell, the red flags are going off like the buzzers going off. The red lights are going off. Dude, he bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. 
<laughs> like and the fact that he's like oh you know we have this pristine looking thing oh i've never used that bit before it's like of course you have you've used that thing no why would it be there that's what i'm saying so like there was i mean like you know it was one of those things if, if nothing else just the horror movie in indications that at least cisco was picking up on uh was was pretty strong and it was one of those things that i was really glad that cisco was kind of the voice of reason in the midst of this because it would be really hard for me to not like you know wave flags up in the air being like guys don't be stupid this is he's clearly a villain like everything about this communicates villain to you i mean if nothing else you know we're talking about the father the creator of killer frost it's got killer in the name i mean come on yeah 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 (laughs) yeah and you would think you know if you if you're if you're a good guy and you're a normal guy and you're kind of like, you know, putting yourself in this self-imposed isolation that maybe you would clean up the heart jars. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Isolation. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> okay. So we see a continuation and perhaps more of an explanation of the Tyler Durden thing that's been going on with Caitlin. Um, you know, you, you already mentioned it, but Thomas is he's left the building for all intents and purposes. And we've been dealing with Icicle, who has been kind of covering up and pretending like he's Thomas. So it's not that Thomas is evil per se. It's that Icicle is in control and he deals with the same, you know, multiple personality situation that Caitlin deals with. All right. So, so I want to, I kind of want to address this because I believe I'm pretty consistent on not being a huge fan of that take with killer frost in the, you know, it's it's not me it's this it's this other side of me that comes out and this other side of me is literally a full rounded character that is separate from who i am you know like i would even argue that even the the hulk banner relationship only goes like that in certain stories that's that's not necessarily i don't find that to be that interesting of a take on a villain is that it's this other personality they have no control over but what are your thoughts yeah, it's it's kind of like when you see those things when someone says something like reprehensible and then their defense is like I was on Ambien or, you know, or like, oh, I, I, I was drunk. And it's it's not even that, though, because like this is like that's all you under the influence. The argument here is that there's no Caitlin under the influence. Killer Frost is a separate being essentially living in her body. Right, right. I'm saying like that's the difference between those two stories, and like you know, it's 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 like with with Banner Hulk, right? Those are like the the repre- the Hulk is the repressed feelings in Banner, and like usually it's an aspect of their personality that's coming out right, that you they, right. that they normally suppress. Yeah, so it, it's it's weird to see these two distinct personalities, and you know, wouldn't they wouldn't they be able to tell like the the differences in the brain patterns and stuff on the mm-hmm. or, or or does the brain physically change? Because, uh, I mean, that's that's like who you are, right? It's like your brain uh, and, and the way it's built and the connections that you have in there. And so, like, when Caitlin turns into Killer Frost, does her brain rearrange itself or is it something different? And it's, yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting, uh, I, I guess, way to, like, introduce that character. But it's, but it's odd, though, because it's, yeah, it's usually well, not. It takes away some of the... I, I, it takes away some of the agency of the original character of like the host character. Right. Like it's one thing, like if, if for example, and this, uh, you know, sorry to keep going back to Marvel, but, but if, if you look at a berserker Wolverine, right, Wolverine, who's in berserker mode when he just absolutely, you know, goes all out crazy and he kind of gives into this primal instinct and he just goes over, over the top and cuts away people. 
Well, when, when he calms down and he looks at what he's done, he has to come to terms with the fact that he did those things. But I feel like they've written Killer Frost in such a way that, I mean, like, not, not even I feel like, that they have now written Killer Frost in such a way that she exists solely separate from Caitlyn. And I, I would like to actually see them get back to that not being the case. These two are kind of blending together. But I got some thoughts on that. One, one is that in this episode... <laughs> All right. Well, hmm. let me put it this way. I will give them props for in this episode, at least presenting the story that they've given her in a unique form, because by allowing her to speak with Killer Frost, allowing this kind of conversation between the two of them, uh, this the, this showcasing of this relationship that could potentially exist between the two of them, they're essentially setting up Killer Frost and Caitlin to be sisters, Right. Like they share a same parentage. They are dealing with their father. He is as much the creator of Caitlin as he is the creator of Killer Frost, the, the, the father of both characters. So I can see them potentially setting up these two individual characters to be uh, kind of a sisterly type relationship. Like there, twins. There's tw- like twins. There's one thing. The other thing with the serum and with the idea that there is a means for which to as we saw Killer Frost be eradicated in the past season, perhaps a way for Caitlyn to be eradicated in a future season or in the future of this season, I have a feeling that we're going to end up seeing at some point in the series the death of Caitlyn, but not the death of Killer Frost. We will actually see Caitlyn die, which may end up pushing Killer Frost over the edge to become the villain that she is destined to be. That's how I feel like they're going to play out the mean, the way that they've created these characters because they are two characters uh in the way that they've written them uh i think that's the way it's going to end up playing up out in the long run therefore preserving caitlin as a heroic character while allowing killer frost to go on and be a villain i i don't find it as interesting personally but i have a feeling that that's but they could do that that's that's my thoughts on that i can see something uh Something somehow like, it happens weird. I'm, I'm trying to OMG science this, but like, you know, if something weird happens to Caitlyn's body and Caitlyn has to make a choice and she sacrifices herself so that Killer Frost can live in, inside of her or something. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like um, if Caitlyn's mortally wounded and Killer Frost could survive the, the, the incident, but like if she were ever to revert back into Caitlyn, the body would die and they would both die. So Caitlyn makes a choice and she says, okay, well, you know, see ya. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to like go away basically kind of like how Thomas has gone away in icicle. Yeah. So that killer frost can always live. Well, okay. So the, you know, the chat's talking about it right now in the comment section of the, the live show here. You know, the, the big thing about Killer Frost is it's an ironic name because she has not, this iteration of Killer Frost has not actually killed anyone. Um, I, I, I would foresee, again, that, the, that Icicle will be responsible for the quote-unquote death of Caitlyn, probably through means of the serum or something of that nature. And in the process, Killer Frost will get revenge by killing Icicle, thus putting her not just on this kind of rage path, this kind of, you know, the, the, the good in her has been eradicated and all that kind of stuff, but also giving her kind of a validation of the title of Killer Frost, while also killing somebody who probably deserves to die at that point. Um, you know, I, I've got a real problem with heroes killing. She ain't no hero. You know what I mean? And, and on top yeah. of that, as I've already said, he bad. So we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, he bad and everything, but I, I don't know. Like, 
I kind of see them going the route of having a merger of the two consciousnesses into a new character. So I, it's still mm, a similar kind of thing. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I, I hear you. I wanted them to take that route, but they didn't. They, they went this route. We now have them literally talking to each other, Belle. She's wearing Brainiac's, you know, projector. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Not, but they used to leave notes to each other and stuff. I'm sorry. Did I, did I say Brainiac? I meant um, uh, uh, the you thinker. You did say Brainiac. I meant the thinker. I don't know why I saw, thought Brainiac. Uh, nothing about the, uh, the device communicates Brainiac at all. <laughs> yeah not, not, nothing at all about it not the not the three lights in a triangle well pattern. i will say this and i mean like you know we we made a comment on twitter about it and you know obviously it's it's hard not to look at that device at, uh and and think very specifically of brainiac but as you recall from last season brainiac's like motif has always or was always incorporated into the thinker and kind of the mental devices around him. So I don't think that we're looking at any kind of origins of Brainiac or Brainiac tech that might uh, play in in the future or anything like that. I think we're just seeing a continuation of that motif that was intentional because, you know, obviously if you can get those little Easter eggs in, you know, creatively, go for it. But my yeah. gu- my guess is that there's no Brainiac tech uh, going on in, in that in that scenario. No, probably not. All right, so all that went down. Killer Frost is back. Uh, she she can now talk to Caitlin, and Caitlin can now talk to her. Um, I, like I said, I project that we'll see the death of Caitlin and the rise of Killer Frost uh, as an actual killer here in the near future. I would I would say before the end of the season, maybe at the end of the season. But that's yeah, that's my speculation. I, I'm still thinking though that it, she's going to be more of an anti-hero type. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, she has been. I think that that her future is more of a villain. But think ultimately, so, like straight up villain. I think so. And we may even see her welcome into open arms with the likes of some of the fraternity mentioned this episode with Victor and uh, Louise. Yeah. So we, we will see what we will see. Now, speaking of speculation, man, we, we saw at the end of this episode, the teams coming back together. Right. We saw Cecile, Ralph, Iris, Nora, Sherlock bringing their findings and discovering that the shrapnel from the specific satellite, they found they found a p- portion of it. And t- Cisco gave us the very uh, a very un Cisco uh, uh, mention of you know little dark matter never hurt anybody, <laughs> right? Yeah, in, in no way accurate on the show. Um, but we see them coming together with their findings and discovering a way to get to Cicada. Um, there is a mention of three individuals being hit. Uh, the two of them were twins. Uh, their father is deceased, and one of them is a young girl named Grace to which our heroes kind of piece together that, in fact, Grace's father could be, and in fact is, Cicada. And that's going to bring us to this week's... Speedster Speculation. All right, Bell, Cicada, what's his deal? Like, well, like, what's his deal? Well, can I, can I touch on something right quick? Uh, it depends on what it is. It's about the twins that were hit. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, yeah, go for it. I mean, is, is that going to be... I don't, I don't know. This is just spitballing here that that was just a throwaway line right that's not gonna be like the tornado twins this season is it every single time i think that we have kind of a you know red herring it ends up being a thing (laughs) so i think that's just a i think that's just a red herring but it may end up being a thing i don't think it's the tornado twins but yeah yeah well i mean we i I don't know reimagining reinterpretation whatever but yeah we can circle back to that so what is cicada's deal um like, what's his end game here? Like, I get that he's a Jack the Ripper type, but they have communicated to us from the very beginning. They've dismantled any legitimate theories tying this character to who he was in the comics, 
right? Going so far as to say, oh, here's the guy that he should be, except he's not because, you know, Nora wrecked the satellite and it threw off the trajectory. And so now we have a new cicada and he's early and it's a different dude and he's got a whole different thing, you know, whole different reason for being. So we saw at the beginning the uh, Pokemon meta what's scyther scyther yeah <laughs> wow wow yeah yeah i i went there a lot of the rest of the internet with, with t1000 but yeah. yeah 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 oh t1000 yeah right yeah yeah no that, that's that's a lot better she's got blades for hands <laughs> shushing, shushing. yeah yeah t1000 is a lot better so we saw uh the t1000 meta at this uh you know at cc jitters which is apparently the only coffee shop in the entire city uh and cicada was there and it seemed to me when she walked by the the blade the knife either signaled to him or indicated something to him to let him know that that was a meta that he needed to kill and i don't know if it was because the 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 dagger is giving him like specific messaging about which metas to kill or no, if it's i just think like, it's just i think it's just a meta like i think it's almost like you know well i think it's kind of like the meta tech from earth 2 Except it's Metatech from, you know, the quote unquote Metatech, right? Like it's communicating to him to let him know there's a meta nearby. Yeah. But see, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about that, though, because, like, OK, so we got it. You're asking about his motivations. Like, what's his motivation? Well, maybe mm-hmm. there's something to do with that dagger. And uh, maybe it's speaking to him in some sort of way, saying that, you know, if you kill all of these, you know, creatures, quote unquote, these new uh, Metatech uh, enhanced individuals that it will somehow make his daughter wake up. Like maybe it's fueling him and or the dagger. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Maybe, you know, the, the more people that he kills, obviously it make it's making him stronger. And so maybe that's something to do. Uh, you know, if, if he can get rid of all the other metas that, uh, have taken power from this satellite that maybe whatever is done to his daughter will, strengthen her too so if it's like only him and his daughter left they'll have all the power of all these you know meditech pieces and that will allow her to wake up okay 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 i'm, I'm, I'm hearing that that's actually that, that's a legitimate idea um let me let me tweak it a little bit okay. so so i like i like the idea that perhaps he's killing these people and it's kind of charging him up i but but rather than taking the power per se i'm wondering if it's more of like a life force type situation you know what I yeah mean? no no exactly yeah i don't i don't think he's uh i don't think he's taking their powers he is taking power just in specifically because like we saw in the last episode you know he grabs the pipe as he was like in any and he's breaking it so like we didn't see him kill anybody with super strength but he's getting stronger right. so it's 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 a, a generic term of power not like power like specific powers interesting so it's like he's almost he's he's kind of uh gathering up this this fuel that he plans to kind of release or, or use to perhaps, you know, revive his daughter at possibly even the expense of his own life. I, I don't, I don't think he would care so long as his daughter lives, but th- yeah, that's my guess is it has something to do with him collecting these powers so that he can save his daughter. Okay. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. Not collecting these powers, but collecting power from the yeah, metas that he no, kills. I'm picking up what you're putting down now. Okay, that that makes some sense. Um, he does seem to be going crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Certainly, certainly looks a little bit more nuts than normal. Did did the did the scar seem more glowy this time than last time? 
it has seemed consistently more glowy every time we see it. I think it spreads out over his chest by like a couple inches every episode. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right then. I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I was actually thinking as we were watching him, you know, his, his kind of bookends of this episode, I was like, oh, you know, the cicada thing, you know, we don't even have to really focus on this because he's just going to expire. But the reality is, is even though that he's he's in pain, you almost get the sense that he, even though he's getting stronger, he still feels the pain, not necessarily from the cut he received at the beginning of this episode, but maybe the original dagger cut. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, the uh, T-1000 wound that he received was more of like, I am losing blood or whatever, and so that's making me weak, whereas the the, the only physical pain that he's feeling is from that, hmm. uh, is from that uh, uh, dagger wound. Okay, all right, all right. So here's what I'm going to throw out to you. So we mentioned that <laughs> I'm going to circle back to the twins situation. Is <laughs> okay. What what if? Because I like I like this theory. I'm down with it. I can see this definitely going in this this direction. I, I don't think that we would see a tornado twins uh, in this capacity. It, it doesn't make any sense to me that it, you'd have to go with a lot of like time travel and Barry from the future sending his kids and to the past and all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't see that happening uh, or potentially, I guess potentially Wally, but here's what I'm thinking. What if those twins are actually Masa Minos who are essentially, um, essentially they, they are kind of a iteration, a reimagining, if you will, of the tornado twins that I want to say were first introduced in the teen Titans, not teen Titans go, but the teen Titans cartoon show. Okay. And there's there's speedsters that require essentially holding each other's hands in order to utilize their speed powers. I thought they were in Teen Titans Go. Uh, I'm sure they were also in Teen Titans Go, but they were in the the Teen Titans show that predates the the goofier one. Like they were. Do they the, wear luchador masks? I don't think so, but possibly one of them had a plus and one of them had had a minus. Hence the name Masa Minos. Okay. I, yeah. No. I I think I saw them on Teen Titans Go. I'm just wondering if. What if we see a scenario where Grace doesn't make it and perhaps Cicada has an opportunity to redeem himself by instead releasing the power not into his daughter who doesn't make it, but into the twins to, to save them. And thus we see the creation of Masaminos. That could be interesting. Because I don't think they ever got an origin story. I could be way off on that. This is this is all off the cuff. Normally, I would do a little bit of pre prep to make sure I knew what I was talking about here. But this is just this is uh, I, I hadn't even thought about those two characters coming into play until you know just just this moment. Um, well, I don't know. I don't see Cicada sacrificing his daughter for anyone else. I think he's way beyond the uh, redemption aspect. I mean, just look at him. Like he, he just looks crazy every time you see him. Right? He does. So I, I, I think he's he's way off the deep end on that and, and not going to be uh, redeemed. But I mean, it could be something because I mean, all I can think of is just that, you know, he wants to kill all these people that were turned into metas by the satellite. And so and that, that's that's everyone that he's targeted, with the exception of Cisco. Hmm. Um, and, and maybe it's maybe he's maybe it's just all metas. Uh, I'm I just think trying to get a clear motivation, you know, I think it's all metas. Because we, you know, so, you know, at first the, the, you know, speculation was that it would be kind of connected to the comic book character, which went after specifically people that were saved by Barry. 
but we've yeah. never seen this lady before. So we don't see that like Barry has ever saved her or anything like that. And again, even though there is some some connection, I mean, Karen in the chat's also kind of pointing out the uh, you know the fact the the idea of kind of stealing life force to uh, save someone else. And in the comics, it would have been his wife as opposed to his daughter. Um, you know, there there is kind of a nod there. There's obviously a connection there. But at the same time, they've also communicated kind of over and over again that this is not, you know, like we have to kind of unlearn what we what we know about that character because we're seeing, as we always do in, in the television series, we're seeing a reimagining of the character. But but very specifically, that character does exist, did exist in this universe, in this timeline, but he is no longer in play. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems because like it, it the blade doesn't just affect the, the meta tech metas. It affects every meta. Uh, as we've seen Barry get his powers taken away by it. And it also doesn't seem to confer those powers onto the wielder of the dagger. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know. I get the idea that the dagger has a mind of its own and is kind of utilizing him as a tool uh, in mm. order to in order or or it's some kind of like you know uh, him misinterpreting whatever this dagger is trying to tell him and that he thinks that if he kills all the metas that the the dagger will have enough power to save his daughter and that that's kind of where i'm thinking is just that as he kills more metas the dagger gets stronger thus he gets stronger because he was stabbed by it and eventually he will have enough quote power not powers plural not we're not talking about like a thinker style thing here right, but just right. just you know physical power to save his daughter i mean it, that's that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting here is that uh he feels that killing all the metas removing all their powers is going to somehow save his daughter and and what i can't tell is if it's if he's being manipulated by the dagger or if it's just uh an observation that he stumbled across somehow you know you know i i'm hmm because we haven't seen him glean any kind of knowledge, you know, as, oh, holy crap, if I, if I kill Metas with this dagger, stuff happens to me that's good. It's just he's past that point. We never saw that point. All we see him is just killing Metas. And we know that his daughter is sick, so I'm just trying to put two and two together there. Yeah. And No, I mean, that's, that's clearly a motivating factor for him. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you're on to something. And I, I will say, you know, as, <laughs> sitting here kind of thinking about it more, like, now I really want the twins to be Masaminos. Because those, because <laughs> those, like those are interesting characters that 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 are theoretically interesting. Like they were in, they were, they were created for a kind of a goofy cartoon show, but but that just allows for a lot of creative license you could take with those two characters, and um that that could be kind of cool if we see, especially you know given the fact that the child's name is Grace. The, the, a lot of times there's, you know, w- when you meet a character named Grace there is going to be some sort of sacrificial nature to this character. Like that, that's just, it, it's like in the great textbook of writing stories. That just always seems to be the case. And yeah. so I, I could easily see a scenario where whatever it is that Cicada is driving towards to save his daughter might end up going into these, uh, these twins. And the idea that let's say that there's one power source um, that is supposed to go to one individual that has to be shared between the two the concept of Masaminos needing to be able to, you know, touch in order to gain access to their superpowers. I, I mean, like, there's something here. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it now. Masaminos are the twins <laughs> that uh, that were referenced in this episode. I like that. I mean, you know, like like you said earlier, anytime they they drop stuff we think is red herring, it's usually not. And so they mentioned twins in the daughter, and so maybe his his daughter will will die, uh, and. He and and if the dagger is controlling him, it will choose another target. Interesting. And maybe Masaminos will be that target. Yeah. 
Huh. Or or perhaps he'll go and try to utilize the power on his daughter. And for some reason, since maybe they're all on in comas, they'll all be in the same room and maybe all three of them will get some kind of power. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. This is David Sobolov, the voice of Gorilla Grodd on The Flash. And you're listening to Flash TV Talk. All right, man, we've got some great listener feedback in this episode. We actually had a lot more than um, we could really do in the, in the amount of time that we had. Uh, but let's see. Why don't we go with this uh, this one from Curtis here? You want to read that one for us? Uh, yeah. They say, first off, wow, the Flash team is hitting it out of the park this year. The only thing that would make it better is if the reverse Flash, Zoom, and the other speedster villains were to come back or maybe some kind of fight between a giant shark and a gorilla. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to this episode. I knew it. I knew that Caitlin's father experimented on her. Called it last season. Still a little dark, but a great payoff from last season. And besides, he was just trying to save her from having to suffer the same illness that he did. Uh, to trick us into thinking that DeVoe used a different meta power was genius. Never crossed my mind that it could have been anything else uh, taking her powers. I would love to see the if the cryo chamber has anyone in it. I bet it does. Hmm. Uh, maybe a half brother. Uh, and something tells me that the Brainiac device, quote, I uh, can't remember what it's actually called, will make an appearance in the crossover and Brainy will make a comment about it. Mm, that'd be interesting. That would be. Uh, <laughs> that would be truly funny. Uh, well, that's all for now. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Curtis. Well, thanks, Curtis. Yeah. You know, you, you make up you bring up some really, really interesting things in there. Um and yeah, I, I it would be nice to see Brainiac kind of comment on the Brainiac device. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think about a uh, an icicle junior in the cryo chamber? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like I said, they've, they've kind of combined those two characters to what this character is on screen. However, I mean, let's just say that the door is open. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, I would not be surprised if they want to revisit this. Um, now, I don't think we would see that this season. I think that if Killer Frost ends up killing Icicle Senior, we may see an Icicle Junior being, you know, defrosted or, or coming to to play from that standpoint yeah um, but um that'd be my guess i'll say this though uh one thing about last season with devoe taking caitlin's powers I, I kept asking myself why isn't he using any of the killer frost powers and i thought oh, that was kind of oh yeah I, I thought that was kind of interesting but i didn't play it played any mind because you know uh we we'd seen the transfer thing before and i was like well he doesn't have to use the powers but then again he didn't turn to ice and so i was kind of like huh and uh, I, I guess at that point I was just I wasn't thinking about um, uh, I wasn't thinking about uh, oh gosh what's his name brainstorm yeah uh, at, at that time so uh, so yeah it it, it 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 was something that tickled the back of my head uh, when you mentioned that Curtis and I was like I remember thinking that it's like well why doesn't he ever use Killer Frost powers after he took them from her eh, whatever I'll just keep watching right it, it, it just it was it was there for a second then it went out but like I'm glad they kind of had a payoff for that yeah you're absolutely right that was really really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. Right on. Right on. Uh, let's see. We also got in from Brandon, the special effects guru says, uh, guys, I need your input here. Is this a retcon or is there something that I'm missing? Now he attached with this two clips, one from the season four finale and one from the season five premiere, both of which are conversations that occurred between Wally and Joe that I totally like did not even register when watching this, you know, the season premiere, but seeing him back to back, it does seem fairly inconsistent. Uh, at the end of last season, you may recall, Wally tells uh, Joe that, you know, in traveling with the Legends, he found what he was looking for. And then at the beginning of the season, Joe tells Wally, 
you didn't finish what you started with the legends. And so there is kind of this sense of like, well, wait, which one is it? Like, did, did he, uh, you know, was, was, I mean, I, I get the idea here. I mean, like, you know, they wanted to kind of keep the doorway open to potentially tell a couple of different stories with Wally coming into this season, uh, depending, I guess, on how contracts all played out. But, yeah, you know, one way or the other, it, it does seem a bit inconsistent, right? Yeah, it does a little bit. Uh, and I can't remember for the life of me what Wally's, you know, message to the team on the Wave Rider was before he left. I, I wish I could because I, I feel like those are kind of two different things, you know, because Wally said he found what he was looking for. But then Joe said you didn't finish what you started as and you went to the team. Did you go to the team to find something or did you go to the team to help them? So it's like, you know, that's that's kind of the question there. And I, I can't really remember exactly what Wally said to the legends to, to, to back that up. So it could be something where maybe he's like, yeah, I fought a time demon and I thought I found what it was, but it's really not. So I'm going to go chill and do my Buddhist monk stuff. So interesting i'll have to figure that out yeah maybe maybe it'll make more sense in the future uh also we got one from ross c what did ross c campbell say ah ross my boy ross all right (laughs) ross writes am i the only one who's reading too much into the line about the twins at the end i definitely got a cobalt blue vibe there uh because i don't think cicada is the only big bad this season uh besides the new rogues right yeah i don't think he's the only big bad this season either i don't I, I did not make the connection to Cobalt Blue. You're definitely not the only one who's reading too much into it. I was reading too little into it, I realize now. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and we also got an iTunes review in from uh, Future Visions who says, Amazing podcast. After all these years, this podcast stays fresh and is a delight. I can't wait for the new episodes to upload. And if you can ever catch the live broadcast, do so because they are a lot of fun. Well, thank you very much, Future. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we try to keep it uh, fun on the live shows. You know, admittedly, since moving to Facebook uh, from the old live uh, version, we, we've tried to keep it slightly more professional. But as tonight's live show proved at the top of the show, uh, you can only be so professional on the live yeah. show. I mean, to some extent, th- th- stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. Yeah, but, you know, I, it, it still it wasn't nearly as... As, as bad as it could have been. <laughs> no, no, this is this is very true. Well, thank you for all that wonderful feedback, and to everybody who sent in your emails and comments. Um, man, there was a lot of lot of thoughts on this episode. We, we didn't have time to get to all of them, but uh, we see you, and we thank you so much for uh, for sending those in. Send those in every single episode so that we can uh, share some of your thoughts from week to week. Also, man, you know we we are coming into uh, Thanksgiving here as we record this podcast on Wednesday. The episode will probably go out on on Friday, but uh, you know from from us here in the states, we want to wish. Uh, you a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, you know we want to let you know, dear listener, uh, that we are very, very thankful for you. Um, without you tuning in, uh, this podcast would not be. And especially to those of you who are supporting the show on Patreon, uh, without you, this podcast would absolutely not exist today. Um, you know, we need that support in order to make it happen. This is Flash TV Talk is very much a passion project. We love, we love the the show. We love the fandom. We love the community. Um, but honestly, we've gotten to the place in the growth of the show where without the support of listeners, it just can't happen. And so y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for fueling us. And I want to give a special shout out this week to Justin Lambert, who just joined up at the brain trust level, uh, of being a flash TV talk supporter over at patreoncom slash TV talk. Justin, you are awesome. Thank you, sir. And to anybody else that wants to help us again, that is patreoncom slash TV talk. Help bring this podcast to you week to week. And of course, at the end of the season, there's going to be an awesome, uh, printable, uh, not printable, but printed, uh, uh, drop of, 
Sherlock riding a baby giraffe. It's going to be incredible. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Can't wait to see it myself. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for us for this week, but we want to encourage you to keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk is the show, or you can follow our personal accounts. I'm at The Real Bo York, and Bell is at Ring That Bell. But if 280 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. And for the live show, be sure to like us on Facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk, where you can tune in at 5 p.m. Central Time and all of the various other timelines, zones in which that falls out as well. (laughs) But again, that's Facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides music for our show. You can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at SoundCloud.com slash Charlie Bach. We love being part of the TV Talk network of wonderful shows that are out there, DC and otherwise. Uh, Be sure to check out Star Wars TV Talk. Be sure to check out Tolkien TV Talk. A new episode of Tolkien TV Talk dropped a week or so ago. And another one coming your way in another week or so, where I get to pitch my concept for what a Tolkien-based television show should be. Uh, If you want to hear that, be sure to subscribe to that show as well. We got a lot of fun stuff in the works coming up here. Big crossover episode. What could that mean for the podcast? Stay tuned to find out. But until then, we'll be back in a flash. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.